The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the commentary booth where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'll be joined by a rotating cast of color commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week, I'm joined by an accountant who lists their favorite movie as Top Gun and favorite TV show as Suits. Welcome to the show, Adam Laser Tag. Hey, going? Laser Tag, never heard of that one. Yeah, I thought it was a good call sign. Yeah, it's better than general ledger tag. It's your call sign. I don't know. You don't choose your own call sign. Someone else chooses that for you. Perhaps daddy. Nice and just quick and easy roll off the tongue in the middle of an intense dogfight. Yep. Perhaps daddy, take my wing. Perfect. <laughs> God. Uh, so what have you been up to recently? Obviously darts and beer by the looks of that. Darts, a little bit of beer. Finally got around to seeing Top Gun, which was took much too long to actually go and see. Yes, we were both a little bit late on that, but well worth the wait. Yeah, definitely worth the wait. Brought back a lot of my childhood. Yeah, this week we're going to head into the danger zone and also dunk on some fools with our reviews of Top Gun Maverick and Adam Sandler's new movie Hustle. We'll start with Top Gun since we're already on the topic. What did you sort of overall top level think of the movie? Um, I thought it was really good from it, like top level perspective a little bit worried that a sequel can kill such an iconic movie but I think they did such a good job of keeping up with the old themes and bringing back the right amount of flashbacks without being too corny and bringing in a new storyline I thought it was really good yeah definitely like it didn't feel like obviously it came 30 years after the original but it doesn't feel like they're just cashing in on the name like it felt like it as a standalone movie by itself, it would have still stood up even if you were a massive Top Gun fan. Yeah, I think even if you didn't see the original Top Gun, the throwbacks made sense. There wasn't anything that was out of place that you're just like, why was that in it? Other than maybe Great Balls of Fire, probably most people wouldn't have been. <laughs> really got that if they hadn't seen the original, but um, yeah, no, I think it was really good. Yeah, like even the throwbacks that were there, they weren't throwbacks where you needed to know what it was referring yeah. to. Like it was just there for if you're a Top Gun fan, you you get it, you understand yeah. it. If not, it still makes sense. Yeah, definitely. What, you? what was your biggest takeaway? I was stoked. Like like I said, I don't think it felt like a, a cash-in and I actually think it, it probably exceeds the first one just because it has, it felt like I had a bit more of a fleshed-out story. Like with this one, the whole story builds to that climactic moment whereas in the first one it kind of builds up to goose's death and then i always just forget everything that happens after goose dies yeah yeah well sort of two sort of different segments in the first one where this one yeah like i re-watched the original one before i went away from a holiday and yeah i i remembered every moment up until goose's death and then that happens and then i'm like i can't remember what happens from here on the first one for me is still just about playing with the boys, beach volleyball scene. Nothing better. I haven't made my childhood 
That's all, all I thought I was going to do when I was older. Just play beach volleyball in your jeans? Yeah, and be shredded, but it didn't happen for some reason. Yeah, beers. That was the, that was the issue. <laughs> Definitely. Be- beers and children. But yeah, no, I like some of that. the throwbacks as well, where it was sort of like when Hangman was the one that was at the start calling Tom Cruise the old guy and that in the pub. Yep. And then it walks in as the instructor, like the reverse sort of. I, mean, I thought that was a cool little moment. They, they did a great job of echoing the original. Like we had, yep. we had dog fighting football this time instead of yes. beach volleyball, which was kind of the same scene. Yeah. And yeah, the the, inst- the student being a, a jerk to the instructor, and then realizing, oh, I've I've put myself in a bad position from the very get go of this course. Yeah, definitely. Tom Cruise returning in the iconic role. How do you think he he stood up? Did he still capture the Maverick vibes? I think definitely. Like just, I don't know, for such a, what, 30 years apart, you wouldn't think he looked 30 years apart. He still looks fit, still looks like he fits in that Navy persona. Um, Yeah, no, I just think he kept that Maverick vibe going very well. Yeah, especially because I think he's what 58 or something now like he's he's getting up there sure and i think that makes him like if this was canon would make him the oldest fighter pilot of all time sort of again pushing the boundaries that maverick loves to do and then obviously they introduce or reintroduce val kilmer as ice man that was such a great moment i was so glad that they got him into this movie given his health issues of recent years I think the way they did it, that still allowed him to have that little part, have a voice as well. I think that was just really well done. It wasn't corny feeling like they're just trying to plug someone in. And I think it sort of fits with the first movie in that he would have been the one that progresses up the ranks in. Yeah, definitely. Maybe where Maverick was never going to be the one that's going to do anything more than fly planes and get in trouble. Yep. And they did a great job of sort of playing on out in the first one those two started as rivals but by the end had a mutual respect yeah, and a good ice man is sort of continuing that now something i did learn after we watched it though that because of val kilmer's throat cancer issues he actually can't talk so all of the it was all like ai voice and i wouldn't have picked up on that watching it no no i thought like they had some sort of machine or something that did it but yeah yeah, it's all AI voice based on recordings from all his old movies. Wow. So that was pretty cool. And I think, like, you know, he, he looked good in the movie. Like, obviously, makeup and the like does a lot for it, but he's had some pretty rough photos go around in the last few years, and I think he looked very nice in the movie. It was a little part that he played. Yeah, like, I'm glad they didn't try and wedge him in and have him yeah in the movie heaps more like they just got him for that one little bit and it was felt fitting and felt perfect that way of the the new cast of characters how did you feel they all fit in obviously we had miles teller as rooster bradley bradshaw rooster the son of goose uh who else did we have uh, john ham as the the vice admiral glenn powell as hangman Lewis Pullman as Bob. I thought Bob was a great character. Bob was interesting, yeah, definitely. A little bit out of source, but it sort of probably fits the mould of what is going to be coming through in this day and age where there's not as much about the jocks and the dogfighting. 
I might. I thought they were good. I don't think they had as big a role as some of the secondary characters in the first movie. Um, like, yeah, Hangman sort of was just bits and pieces, sort of just trying to stir the pot and be a loudmouth, but didn't really have a big role. Um, no real backstory to him. But um, yeah, no, I thought they were pretty good. I thought they did a great. They did a really good job of establishing Rooster and giving him, yes, a, a very fleshed out character. So I think if they do continue making Top Gun movies, they can have Rooster as the lead character. But I also liked how the rivalry between Rooster and Hangman was very Iceman Maverick, without just rehashing it and doing it exactly the same way. Yeah, and I I really liked that they introduced some female pilots as well yeah. with Phoenix and a couple of the others in the background. Yeah. You know, it seemed good. And they had a little good, good parts in it. Like they actually, yeah, got to get in there in that final scenes and be part of the team that's going in to attack the bombs, drop the bombs. I liked that they sort of had the way Maverick's character progresses. He's just the following on from what you said. He just wants to fly planes and, at the beginning, he's flying that crazy yeah. stealth Mach 10 yeah. jet. And, yes, doesn't, doesn't ease up, has to push the boundaries. and Yeah, just, just can't do it and then crashes this multi-billion dollar plane and, all right, well, we're sending you back to Top Gun and you're going to be an instructor and this is your last chance. Yeah, and even then, yeah, when he sort of, oh, the bit, yeah, when he gets told he's out once Iceman passes away, he's still just... Yeah, does his own thing, and I thought it was yeah cool way to get him into it and show that he can push the limits. And it was a good way to sort of like he was trying to get build that rapport with the students and was just struggling because yeah, I think deep down he just wanted to do it himself but couldn't. And then when they finally kick him out, he's like, right, the only way that I can get back is to show that yes, this is possible to do it this way, and he does it, and then that instantly gets the students on on his side like right we believe in everything he's saying now yeah definitely um and you know the scene where maverick flies that jet out on that test flight that he's not meant to be going on and flies over uh what's the character over canes yeah over ed yeah ed harris's character flies over him you know how they are the roof of the security checkpoint pops off yep yep that that was not planned that was all they had one take at that, and that's the, the shot they got. And I was like, well, we'll just run with it. And that roof was not meant to come off, but we'll take it. Wow. For it to come off and then drop back on and not be playing, that's, that's sick. Yeah, and, like, it, I think it works so much better too because it it just gives a bit more impact to that scene. And I think, like, it, when he sort of buzzes a tower as well, I like that he buzzes a tower, but they didn't have to throw back to a spilt coffee moment like the original movie. Yep. Like I like that. He still got to buzz the towers, but they didn't have, they didn't go the cheesy, oh, the guy spills his coffee all over himself again. There was apparently quite a few moments that weren't planned, like in this movie. In the, the final sequence where Rooster goes, you know, they have to do the hop and then go into the dive straight away. When they were filming that, apparently his uh, straps were too loose. So when you watch it, he hits his head on the canopy and like gets kind of oh. somewhat stunned. And that was just one of the shots they took. And that was the one they went with. They're like, oh, looks cool. It'd be amazing to see what sort of budget they had for the um, flying the F-18s and the amount of filming that they actually did in them. 
Yeah, I saw an interview with Miles Teller. He said they uh they filmed more footage for this than uh, they filmed for either the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy or like the longest of the Lord of the Rings movies because they just had multiple cameras set up on these planes and they'd go out on 90 minute to an hour flights and just have to record every second of that flight. And the funny part is like, because the, obviously you can't have cameraman and directors climbing all over these crazy FA-18s. The actual actors had to get in the seat, turn all the cameras on themselves make sure their makeup and hair and everything kind of sat okay and recorded all themselves. And then the director just had to sit back at the, the air base and hope that they got the shots that they wanted at the end. Would have been an incredibly stressful movie to film as a director where you just kind of, you don't have your hands on it. Like it's totally hands off compared to normally like on a cut. Let's, let's redo that line. Yeah. You don't know what, you, what you're going to get and how people are going to deal with the G force. I saw an interview with, um, Tom Cruise, when he was in a flight with someone, one of, one of the actual Navy guys, and apparently they've pulled some monster Gs and he's gone to grab his vomit bag and throw up. And as he's gone to throw up, the guy's I don't know, pulled up or done something and he's like compressed himself onto the ground, like got compressed onto his seat because he was pulling more Gs. Oh. And he was just like, yeah, just, I, don't know, I definitely wouldn't be able to do it. No, apparently the, all the actors went through is like some crazy training regime so that they could all be in yeah. the planes rather than in, in the last, the original. I think Tom Cruise is the only one that ever actually filmed in a flying plane. Like all the others were kind of just in seated planes. Hectic that they all filmed yeah. in the planes and they were all flying like those super low flights, like super scary. But I think it pays off in, like oh, it feels the- really kinetic and feels really yeah. authentic. The image quality and the actual visual perspective is just really good. They filmed on 6K IMAX cameras, so I wish we had, like, the old Sydney IMAX with the giant screen that we could have gone and seen this in. That's gone? Yeah, it's been gone for ages. Really? Yep. There's an IMAX screen in Sydney, but it's not the same size as the original one, which is disappointing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it on a bigger, better screen than the local cinema. I'm going to take the wife for a date, date on Monday. Yeah. I think head up to like Sydney and go see it in like a yeah. gold class. Gold in a class. big cinema would be epic. I still enjoyed it. Like I still felt oh, yeah. like it was great watching the cinemas. I'm gonna, definitely going to rewatch it when it hits Paramount Plus again too. Yeah, no, I'll be um, sitting down a few more times. I don't know how many times I've watched Top Gun 1. So <laughs> yeah, same. be on release as well. It seems to have paid off though. Like, it had quite a few delays. Obviously, it was supposed to come out in what 2019 originally. It's now three years later, and we're finally getting it. Uh, it I saw it just crossed 700 million dollars grossed oh, yeah. since release. <laughs> Nuts, a lot of money. I think, yeah, it's gonna be a big movie, and it's just know, it's gonna regenerate such an interest that people who didn't see the original in our age group have gone and seen the original now because people talking about this new one and they're going to get hooked on it like I did 30 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever, how long it was for me. Yep. I think it's, yeah, definitely going to pay off and definitely worth the wait. Yeah. And it had like, it had another great soundtrack too. Like all the yeah. songs in it were, there was obviously the ones that you expected, but then there were some cool new ones as well that fit. I like that it started with Danger Zone again. Even that like a uh, text screen at the very start. 
No, it's exactly the same, yeah. It's the exact same as the first one. I wouldn't have a job, but if I was in a movie cinema, I'd just like secretly for one session put the original one and see how long it takes for people to realise that they're not watching the new one. It'd probably take it'd probably take, take, take a while some people. Take a few minutes before people like because yeah, you get you get that opening text box, then you get the music, you'd be like, Okay, yeah, this is right, and then taken off on the boats and whatnot, and then that'd be that'd be funny to see see how long it took. And like your dad said when we walked out, the uh, Mustang plane that is shown at the end and throughout the movie, that is actually Tom Cruise's plane. That is his plane? Yeah, that's the one he owns, which is cool. Another cool little thing. Like, And shows that, like, yeah, even though he filmed it 30 years ago, he still loves, like, he's, it is him. It's not just the acting. Like, Yeah, like he's a legitimate pilot that can fly all these planes, essentially, yeah. which is crazy. Yes, yeah. He's like super committed as an actor to doing oh, yeah. doing his own stunts. Apparently for this movie, that was a requirement of him coming back that everybody got in the planes and filmed, not just himself. No, he didn't. I think he's definitely made the right choices for it. Didn't bring back a crappy sequel. There's been a few in the last few years. Yeah, especially yeah, 30 years after the original. Like there was a, there was a lot of pressure riding on this movie to not ruin a lot of people's favourite movie of all time. Definitely. Like we said, with all the pilots being, or all the actors being in the planes themselves, apparently three out of the six actors threw up every single day, which I can see, like, some of the moves and... Some of the Gs they were... Stunts and stuff they're doing would have been horrible. Yeah, I wanted to be a pilot until I first went on anything that produced any form of G-force, and then I threw up, and that was my dreams of pilot out the window. That that idea. No chance. Now you could just become a drone pilot and you could fly at home sitting at your own desk. It's not the same. Not the same. That wouldn't be cool. Doesn't impress the lady being a drone pilot. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) They might just look at you like, oh, nerd. Yeah. So yeah, Top Gun, highly recommend going and see it, even though we 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 took our sweet time. Yeah. It was Definitely worth it. And Definitely, yeah. Roxy Cinema, fr- Friday night, got the hot tip, Cinema One. <laughs> Don't even need a ticket. We, we bought tickets. We just can walk in and sit down. Literally no one, no one checking nothing. We, and the, like, that cinema entry, number one, is at the front before they even see you walk in. Don't have allocated seats. You just walk in and pick a seat. No one will know. Wonder what we're seeing this week. <laughs> Friday, 6 p.m. every week. That's what movie we're going to, whatever's in Cinema One. To be fair, we'll probably end up seeing Top Gun again this week and then in a, in a couple of weeks we'll finally get Jurassic Park. Yeah, I don't, don't think I want to see that one. Light year. Oh, yeah, I'm super keen for that. That that'll actually, that actually might be what's in Cinema 1 this weekend. Yeah, yeah, probably, because, yeah, yeah, it comes out this Thursday, doesn't it? Yeah, and school holidays are still on, aren't they? No, I don't think so. You're the one with kids, I don't know. No, that's not until July. But isn't it the Queen's birthday long weekend this week? It's just a long weekend. No school holidays. Uh, you're the one with kids. That's your that's that's a Adam issue, not me issue. Yeah, that's the that's the one. So then the other movie we checked out, another brand new one this week, the new sports drama on Netflix, starring Adam Sandler as an NBA scout for the 76ers. Hustle. What did you think of that movie? Thought it was it was pretty good. A different take on an Adam Sandler movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't like traditionally. Yeah, don't expect him in this sort of movie um but 
yeah, I thought it was really good. I think it's uh, interesting because it's yeah, based on the 76ers and him being a scout and the politics around some of his choices as well, um, which I thought was interesting with some of the drama that the 76ers have been having in the last few years with their <laughs> back office and coaching staff and picking players and seeming to destroy a lot of good players' careers. Or just letting letting great players slide. Letting, yeah, picking people over other people in the draft when they probably shouldn't. And Yeah, so I think it was, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, I know, probably for the highlight for me is Anthony Edwards. Um, I just, as a basketball player, I love him. And I dead set reckon his character would have been very unscripted. Some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth in the, <laughs> so he played, who's he play? Um, Kermit? Uh, Kermit Wilt Washington, yeah. Yeah, so he's the, the number one, the rival to the main character, Bo. Yep. Trash talk that he does, I reckon, would have just been all ant. Like, it's just seeing the way he plays, and I just reckon it would mean him coming up with his normal trash talk that he does when he plays. I just thought it was really interesting and cool. Yeah, like, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, you hadn't seen Uncut Gems before seeing this, had you? No, no, no. Still haven't seen it yet. Okay, so that's why this came as quite a big tonal shift in yeah. terms of Adam Sandler movies for you because I assume the last one you see him was probably like Deuce Bigelow or something like that. Oh, I'd be like, yeah. Billy Madison or something? Yeah, that, that to me, the Adam Sandler movies are, yeah, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. Yeah, yeah that, that's like those sort of movies. And, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of Adam Sandler movies in the last couple of years. And it's just like, yeah, a little bit more serious. So to see this one, see this one take a more serious tone. With there are still funny elements in this one, but oh yeah, definitely it's definitely not a comedy. It's more of a, a bit of a drama. Yeah. For me, having seen Uncut Gems, this was kind of this was still a tonal shift, but not as strong because Uncut Gems is very dramatic and it's all about a basically a jewel, a diamond dealer or something. And he has like this crazy um, gambling addiction on NBA. So it's all about him like borrowing money from the mob and then gambling and then hoping he makes enough to cover his debts. And it's like a super stressful watch, whereas this was definitely more lighthearted, yeah. family friendly, happy go lucky like sports movie. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed. And Adam Sandler is a. NBA super fan, so it's good to be sort of bringing in his passions a little bit. I feel I feel like this is yeah, just him like wanting to hang out with Dr. Oh, J it. and LeBron and all of those all the players, and it's like let's just make a movie about it, and I'll star in it and get to hang out with all these guys, and it's working. Yeah, and I find it interesting, like based in Philly, but it was such a limited Philly players as well. Like there was mm-hmm. like obviously Dr. J from the past. But um, like there was the only Matisse and T- Tobias Harris. Who else was there from Philly? Seth Curry back when he was a Philly player. It wasn't like, but there was a seemed to be a lot of other NBA players from. Yeah, they got they got players from all around the country. Like Bo Cruz, the main character, is played by uh, Hernan Gomez from the Utah Jazz. Anthony Edwards is uh, plays Kermit. Uh, they got the. The NBA commentator Kenny Smith to play Leon Rich, which was cool. 
And then in terms of cameos, we've got Trey Young, Jordan Clarkson, Chris Middleton, Aaron Gordon, Kyle Lowry, Seth Curry, Luka Doncic was a cool one. Like just him basically doing like a an Instagram live thing. Tweet or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Tybal, Julius Irving, Charles Barkley, Shaq, Allen Iverson, Dirk Nowitzki. Basically just doing a FaceTime call. That was a cool one. Yeah, I reckon a bit of Adam Sandler just want to be like, yeah, I'm mates with this guy. Like yeah. if I was in his circle, I'd probably be calling random famous people as well just for a chat, just to show you that I can have it. Doc Rivers was in there as well. And then I, th- I think one of my favourite ones was Boban. Yeah. Mayanovic, just playing a 22-year-old Russian. Didn't know a big Serbian, wasn't it? Didn't even have a name. He was just referred to as the big Serbian, something like that. Yeah, the the big Serbian. That's right. In the credits, just says big Serbian. I think that was a really good, good-looking man, Boban. I feel like that echoed like everyone's thoughts when he like made his debut for the Spurs. Everyone's like, yeah. "How old is this guy? Yeah, how old? And we're like, where did he come from? Like, just and then yeah, his his ten-year-old son that looked about twenty-eight. <laughs> oh yeah. And then they also they also got the street ballers in there as well. That was another cool like little element. Yeah, you got a good mix of players and uh, anyway, I find it interesting like why some got to be play themselves and then others had to play someone else, play play a character. Like it well, it wasn't just like the gigantic players like Dirk and Luka Doncic that were themselves. Like it was Yeah. Random guys were themselves, Random. and then others that were big stars were like a character. Yeah. It was strange, but cool. You know, definitely good. It's always good to see Shaq in a movie. Best basketball movie in the last 12 months, 18 months. Better acting than Space Jam. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely better acting than Space Jam. <laughs> I don't know if I was an NBA player, I would have preferred to be in that one than Space Jam. I was surprised, like, LeBron has is like listed as a producer, oh, well. but um, yeah, he didn't actually pop up in the movie, which was a bit of a surprise. I wonder if that was just like a, might've been a contracting issue with, yeah. with universal yeah. or whatever. I think it was universal or Warner brothers or someone that did space jam where he couldn't appear in another company's movie for X amount of time or something, but I didn't realize that. I mean, his name. yeah. So yeah, he's def probably helped get a lot of these guys. Yeah signed on to play parts in the movie but yeah like it, it does a great job of yeah giving you that insight into turmoil at the 76ers like i saw a tweet the other day when the uh, celtics are in the finals at the moment one of the tweets was the 76ers could have had four or five of the players that are now on the celtics in the finals they would have been able to have Jason Tatum, but they took Markel, Fultz. They would have been able to have Smart. Mm-hmm. Did they take over Smart? Probably Ben Simmons. Yeah, they, they would have been able to have quite a few. Yeah, it was just a tweet that just had like, that listed four or five of the Celtics players that. They had had Al Horford for a couple of seasons and just might as well have paid him a lot of money for nothing. Mm, paid him to play for the Celtics, essentially. Yeah. This is, yeah, as a Netflix movie. Really well done, like I yeah. didn't have. Yeah. After Uncut Gems, I was expecting really good things and I was expecting it to be more 
closely aligned with that in terms of a tense, serious movie. But like, I really enjoyed the the little twist of, yeah, it's a serious drama, but it's got funny yeah. elements in there, and it just has that that classic sports drama movie where it builds up, and you think they they're finally going to achieve their dream, and then there's a hurdle, and then training montage back to great stuff. Still a bit predictable at the end, but um. I think still, yeah, very good. Very well done. In terms of some of the trivia I found, obviously the main character, Bo, in the movie is Spanish. Apparently the original script, he was supposed to be Chinese. (laughs) But then due to pressure from Netflix, they were asked to change that because Netflix doesn't do business in China. So they were like, can we we change that, please? Who have they got? Wonder who they would have got. Yeah, they definitely couldn't have got Hernan Gomez to play Bo yeah. as a random Chinese dude. Yeah. Nice little change, but I think it worked. probably worked out better. Yeah, and I think like the whole lead-up being over in that Europe and trying to find that next big thing. I can't imagine there's a ton of scouts for the NBA, China and Asia in general. Yeah, you look at the NBA, the big players at the moment are all from Europe. Yep. Jock Novak. Not Novak, that's tennis. The Joker, <laughs> yeah. um, Doncic, like they're all Giannis, they're all Europe-based. That's where they're getting all these superstars from at the moment. Yeah, so it definitely makes more sense. Like I think the only reason they would have made it a Chinese character would have been to try and get Chinese investment. But That's where, that's where the NBA wants to head to because that's where the money is. Yeah. But then, yeah, obviously it wouldn't have been a Netflix movie if that was the case. It would have been on some other random streaming service and the quality probably would have been much lower. In terms of your top recommendation for the week, which one would you pick out of these two movies? I think for me, Top Gun, it's, yeah, such a, it's going to be an iconic movie, I reckon. Um, It's going to be a movie that if you're in your group of friends talking about a movie and you haven't seen it, people will give you crap because it's, that's like what Top Gun was sort of from our group. If there was anyone ever, someone who hadn't seen Top Gun, they're always that weird little kid in the corner. Yeah, yeah. You look at someone like, why Why have you not seen it? How have you not seen this? It's like not seeing The Lion King or something. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what this one's going to be. It'll be a movie that people will still be watching in a few years' time. So I think it's definitely one that would be worth seeing at the cinemas, especially because it's such a good bit of footage on the big screen and the sound is so good. I'm super happy we went and saw it at the movies rather than waiting for it to hit a streaming service. Like I said, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to rewatch it when it hits Paramount, but I think, yeah, if you can get out and see it before it leaves the cinemas. Yeah. With the big sound systems and that, it just makes you feel like you're there with the jets all around. And yeah, definitely. I think that would be my pick of the movies. I'm a little jealous. We don't have 4d cinemas like they have in America at the moment. Like, this movie is playing in 4D cinemas in the US, and I think that would be that would be a hell of an experience. The 4D cinema. So you get the 3D goggles, obviously. Yep. So you get the 3D, but then your seat moves and rumbles. Right. It, it blows like wind and stuff on you. I was like, yeah, that that sounds like it'd be a hell of an experience. That'd be cool. Yeah. And like I said, I think it will be one that stands a test of time because. It is all actual in-camera footage. There's no, no like crazy CGI and weird effects like that. It's 
it's not going to age terribly in five years' time. Look back on it like some of these other CGI movies like, oh, that looks horrible. Whereas this that looks horrible now that yeah. This one, like the original, is going to look good for a long time. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, top gun for me as well. Alrighty. Thank you everyone for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Adam on Instagram at freedom.advisory for all of your accounting tips. And you can follow me on social media at Jamie Apps Media and at Pario Magazine. Thanks for coming on the show and we will catch you around the bend later. Thanks, Apps Daddy. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Jamie Apps Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps. <laughs>